0: Welcome back to another episode of 11 Doll Sports. Professor Rebecca here, summary of chapter 7. I hope everyone is doing great. I have decided to break this chapter into two parts as it is a very important and long chapter. So, it was when curiosity about Gatsby was at its highest that the lights of his house failed to go on one Saturday night and, as obscurely as it had begun, his career as Trimalchio was over. Not only that is an example of a foreshadowing, but also Trimalchio was a character in the satiricon by Petronius, written in the first century before Christ. Fitzgerald is comparing Gatsby to Trimalchio because he dresses up to be a rich man, and they both come from humble origins, and they try to... Disguise these origins by having a lavish life. Only gradually did I become aware that the automobiles which turned expectantly into his drive stayed for just a minute and then drove sulkily away. Wondering if he were sick, I went over to find out. An unfamiliar butler with a villainous face squinted at me suspiciously from the door. Is Mr. Gatsby sick? Nope. After a pause he added Sir in a dilatory grudging way. I hadn't seen him around, and I was rather worried. Tell him mister Caraway came over. Who? he demanded rudely. Caraway. Caraway, all right, I'll tell him. Abruptly he slammed the door. <laughs> My friend informed me that Gatsby had dismissed every servant in his house a week ago and replaced them with half a dozen others who never went into West Egg Village to be bribed by the tradesmen but ordered moderate supplies over the telephone. The grocery boy reported that the kitchen looked like a pigsty and the general opinion in the village was that the new people weren't servants at all. Just in case you don't know what a fin is, it's basically a maid. Fin is a word that was used to refer to a maid. And um, remember, there is always a distinction between upper and lower class. But what is interesting here is that even in lower class, there were groupings of people. The real servants looked down on people who don't know how to be proper servants. So she and her friends believed that these new people were trashy or not good enough. Next day, Gatsby called me on the telephone. Going away, I inquired. No, all sport. I heard you fire all your servants. I wanted somebody who wouldn't gossip. Daisy comes over quite often in the afternoons. So the whole series had fallen in like a cart house at the disapproval in her eyes. There's some people, Wolfsheim wanted to do something for. It. They're old brothers and sisters. They used to run a small hotel. I see. He was calling up at Daisy's request. Would I come to lunch at her house tomorrow? Miss Baker would be there. Half an hour later, Daisy herself telephoned and seemed relieved to find out that I was coming. Something was up, and yet I couldn't believe that they would choose this occasion for a scene. Especially for the rather harrowing scene that Gatsby had outlined in the garden. Daisy didn't like Gatsby's parties, so he's trying to change things for Daisy's satisfaction, for example, by firing his employees. And guys, Daisy is not coming to Gatsby's mansion just to have tea. Daisy and Gatsby are being intimate, and so Gatsby is trying to protect Daisy. On the other hand, she's justifying the fact that she's having sexual relations with Gatsby because Tom is a cheater. So basically, we can assume that Gatsby is changing to avoid gossiping or any negative comment about Daisy. And the reason why Daisy invited Nick and Jordan is because she wants to avoid any personal talk. It's a buffer to make it more natural, let's say. Daisy and Tom invited Gatsby to lunch, but the person who was interested the most was Tom, because remember that he is jealous and he wants to know more information about Gatsby and something important too is the fact that it is the hottest day of summer remember that the weather plays an important role in this story so let's pay attention oh my she gasped I picked it up with a weary band and handed it back to her holding it at arm's length and by the extreme tip of the corners to indicate that I had no designs upon it. But everyone nearby, including the woman, suspected me just the same. Everyone is getting grumpy because of the weather. Hot, said the conductor to familiar faces. Some weather. Hot, hot, hot. Is it hot enough for you? Is it hot? Is it... My commutation ticket came back to me with a dark stain from his hand that anyone should care in this heat whose flushed lips he kissed, whose heat made them the pajama pocket over his heart. Through the hall of the Buchanan's house blew a faint wind carrying the sound of the telephone bell out to Gatsby and me as we waited at the door. His imagination is taking off. Remember that it is very hot. The master's body roared the butler into the mouthpiece. I'm sorry, madame, but we can't furnish it. It is far too hot to touch this noon. What he really said was, yes, yes, I'll see. He set down the receiver and came toward us, glistening slightly to take our stiff straw heads. Madame is expecting you in the salon, he cried, needlessly indicating the direction. In this heat, every extra gesture was an affront to the common store of life. The room, shadowed well with awnings, was dark and cool. Daisy and Jordan lay upon an enormous couch, like silver idols weighing down their own white dresses. White is mentioned again to indicate wealth against the singing breeze of the fans. Um, like I said, guys, remember that the weather plays an important role here. And um it is related to a term that I haven't explained to you before. It is called apathetic fallacy. That means a logical lie. Pathos means emotion, and fallacy means lie. So it is when the weather replicates what is going on in a text, or in this case in this book. In a way to support the chaos and feelings and emotions in characters or in events. Remember the rain from chapter 5? It meant like some new beginning or starting over. So this time it is really hot and that will distort the feelings and emotions of the characters because there is no air conditioning available in the 1920s. Besides, it is also noon. In, in Cowboy's literature or in, in its movies, it meant that something terrible was going to happen because the weather, in this case, the sun um was at its highest point and there were no shadows. But then came Edgar Allan Poe. Remember some of his stories? Yeah, the ones we read? The one that comes to my mind right now is the poem, uh, The Raven, once upon a midnight dreary where while I wander, we can wear in, you know, the rest. Or you might not remember it, but anyways. um, He uses midnight in order to indicate that in this moment something terrible uh, is going to happen, like some kind of foreshadowing or that a clim- climatic event is taking place. At this point, everyone is at the Buchanan's house, and the following conversation takes place. Mr. Gatsby, he put out his broad, flat hand with well-concealed dislike. I am glad to see you. Sir, Nick, make us a cold drink, cried Daisy. As he left the room again, she got up and went over to Gatsby and pulled his face down, kissing him on the mouth. You know I love you, she murmured. At this point, guys, Daisy no longer cares if Tom finds out that she's cheating on him with Gatsby. Then the conversation continues. You forget there is a lady present, said Jordan. Daisy looked around doubtfully. You kissed Nick, too. What a low, vulgar girl. I don't care, cried Daisy and began to clock on the brick fireplace. Then she remembered the heat and sat down guiltily on the couch, just as a freshly lounder nurse leading a little girl came into the room. She was referring to um, Pammy. She is Daisy's daughter. Blessed, precious, she holding out her arms. Come to your own mother that loves you. The child, relinquished by the nurse, rushed across the room and rooted shyly into her mother's dress. the blessed, precious. Did your mother get powder on your old yellowy hair? Stand up now and say howdy-do. Gatsby and I, in turn, leaned down and took a small reluctant hand. Afterward, he kept looking at the child with surprise. I don't think he had ever really believed in its existence before. Now, I don't know if you noticed that Fitzgerald is using the pronoun it's instead of saying her. And the reason why is because he's pointing out the fantasy that Gatsby is living. He thinks that they are going to get married and go to Louisville, buy a house, have a family, not, not taking into account the fact that Daisy already has that. Another important thing to mention here is the child's behavior. Back in the 1920s, um rich people, right, the ones who had money, they were able to pay a nanny. So in this case, the nanny was the person in charge of Pammy. And back then, the children were taught to fear and respect their parents and they were given some distance from um, their parents and so after some time the children began to, to long for their parents and somehow that created a need on the child and so the parents became like parent pleasers and due to the same thing um, it allows the parents to have more time and, and do many things for example charity work What will we do with our lives this afternoon, cried Daisy. In the day after that, in the next 30 days, don't be morbid, Jordan said. Life starts all over again when it gets crisp in the fall. So in this passage, Fitzgerald is creating the idea that Americans are addicted to change or reinvent themselves by changing homes or jobs or starting a new career, and some other things. Besides, this passage is also an example of foreshadowing. It says life will start again in the fall. So somebody's life is going to change for better or worse. Continue reading. Um, Daisy says this. Who wants to go to town? demanded Daisy insistently. Gasby's eyes floated toward her. "'Oh,' she cried, "'you look so cool.' "'Their eyes met, and they stared together at each other alone in a space. "'With an effort, she glanced out at the table. "'You look so cool,' she repeated. "'She had told him that she loved him, and Tom Buchanan saw. "'He was outstanding. "'His mouth opened a little, and he looked at Gatsby, "'and then back at Daisy, as if he had reorganized her.' As someone he knew a long time ago. In this part. She didn't say. Um, to Gatsby. That she loves him. Like with her words. But she did it with. Her body language. The way she looked at him. Or the chemistry. That is between. Both of them. So Tommy's getting angry. And he is about to fight with. Gatsby but. He is not going to do that because that is low class. And then continue reading. It says, you resemble the advertisement of a man. She went on innocently. You know, the advertisement of the man. So in this part, what Daisy is trying to say is that he looks like a god. Like a perfect man. Like the one from the ads, this perfect man that we see in commercials sometimes so handsome and it is pictured as the perfect man obviously not but that's the idea that they want to transmit there is some tension in the air um Daisy wants to go to New York and um she went outside to smoke a cigarette the people who smoke they say that When you smoke, you kind of feel relaxed. So she went outside to calm down. And then uh, Tom says this. I'll get you some whiskey, answered Tom. He went inside. Gatsby turned to me rigidly. I can't say anything in this house, all sport. She's got an indiscreet voice, I remarked. It's full of... mm." I hesitated. Her voice is full of money, he said suddenly. That was it. I'd never understood before. It was full of money. That was the inexhaustible charm that rose and fell in it. The jingle of it. The symbol song of it. High in the white palace. Again, the color white. Yeah, it's related to money or wealth. The king's daughter, the golden girl. Gatsby wants something that he wouldn't be able to touch. And going back to this phrase that says the king's daughter. Who is the king's daughter? A princess, right? And who can marry a princess? Only a prince. So if Gatsby marries Daisy, he will become a prince. Let's say the golden boy that the golden girl needs. And that's part of the reason of why Gatsby fell in love with Daisy. Because he worships modern beauty. Remember from previous chapters that I explained that to you. He worships money and power. So that's why it is related. And um, he believes that he would become one with her. And that would make him feel worthy. So this is kind of like an advice for you, don't date until you have loved yourself because you will be looking for someone to complete you instead of complimenting you, which is a totally different thing. Before going to New York, Gatsby says this, shall we go in my car? He felt the hat green leather of the seat. Remembered that the color green is associated with money and also the green light at the end of the dock, which represents Daisy when Gatsby is apart from her. And then um, he says, This I ought to have left in, in the shade. Is it a standard shift? demanded Tom. Yes. Well, you take my coupe and let me drive your car to town. The suggestion was distasteful to Gatsby. I don't think there is much gas, he objected. Obviously, Gatsby doesn't want Tom to drive his, his car. But then Tom says this. Um, if it runs out of gas, I can stop at a drugstore. You can buy anything at a drugstore nowadays. So, um, he was digging at Gatsby. Remember that in previous chapters... Tom called Gatsby a bootlegger and Nick defended him and also Daisy explained to Tom that um, Gatsby ran a lot of drugstores so that's another reason of why he made the comment in order to relate um, Gatsby's dirty business with um, the drugstore in which he said he could find gas. All right, so continue reading. Um, He says, Come on, Daisy, said Tom, pressing her with his hand toward Gatsby's car. I'll take you in this circus wagon. Again, he's digging at Gatsby one more time and kind of saying that he would never drive such talkie car or that he would never buy such talkie car. He opened the door but she moved out from the circle of his arm. You take Nick and Jordan, we'll follow you in the coupe. She walked close to Gatsby, touching his coat with her hand. Jordan and Tom and I got into the front seat of Gatsby's car. Tom pushed the unfamiliar girls tentatively, and he shoot off into the oppressive heat, leaving them out of sight behind. Now, I'm going to play... An audio clip, but before I do so, I want you to understand something that you are not gonna be able to to hear in the audio clip, and is that Gatsby's car is um, yellow on the outside and green on the inside. I had explained that to you before, but it's just a reminder, and remember that Tom is the one driving. Gatsby's car and Gatsby is driving the blue coupe that Tom has so there is a swap of cars so let's listen to what they gotta say on the way to New York you must think I'm pretty dumb don't you well I have a second sight sometimes it tells me what to do I've made a small investigation into this fellow. And you found he was an Oxford man? Oxford, New Mexico. He wears a pink suit, for Christ's sake. myself you think i come here to my other view I'm sorry I'm, I'm sick why why what's the matter i don't know i'm, I'm all run down i need money real bad what? my wife and i we want to go west well your wife does tom was feeling the hot whips of panic his mistress and wife an hour ago, so secure, were both slipping from his control. I raised up to something funny these last two days. Yeah, yes, she's going west, whether she wants to or not. What do I owe you? The dollar. The dollar's money. You can have the car. I'll send it over tomorrow. What? getting to the end of this first part for chapter seven and while they were on the way to New York they had to stop by Wilson's garage in order to get some gas for Gatsby's car and Myrtle was looking out the window and she saw that Tom was driving this yellow cart. so that's the reason why I told you to pay attention to the colors Right there, Nick also realizes something very important, that the only difference between people is the mentally well and the mentally ill. The mentally ill are the ones who are depressed or codependent, narcissistic, sociopaths or psychopaths. And George was going through a very difficult moment in his life And back in the 1920s, it was like kind of difficult to get the help out of a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Right now you can, but back then it was kind of impossible. And so George just realized that his wife had some kind of secret life, that it was a life apart from him. And sometimes when people realize that they are being cheated on, the first thought is to remove that person from that situation like move them away and so they think that by doing that they are kind of preventing it from happening again and also kind of stopping the cheating but i don't think that's true i mean you are going to be who you are wherever you would go and another important thing that i got to mention is that um The eyes of Dr. T.J. Eckelberg are mentioned again, or are back. Remember the eyes of God. Um, They are always watching, but never interfering. So again, it's kind of like a foreshadowing. So um, this is it, all sports. I hope you have learned a lot and had fun. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. Goodbye. Daisy Buchanan, the Golden Girl. Her husband was heir to one of America's wealthiest families. His name was Tom Buchanan. Well, it was touching, really. I'd never seen a girl so love with her husband. You must know Gatsby. Gatsby? filtered Everybody says what gives me? Uh, a week later, Tom crashed his car. Well, but I told him not to call me here. The girl with him was a chambermaid
1: at the Santa Barbara
0: Hotel. and got all the papers. I wish I could. It's time to tell Tom. Can I have a. It's so hot. Everything's so confusing. I've been not gonna let it come again. Cause you tell me in your arms just a little too That's what I thought. Your wife doesn't love you. She never loved you. You see, she loves me. She only married you because I was poor and she was tired of waiting. change all the way to the but in her, heart, in her heart, she never loved anyone but like me. Daisy loved me. When she met me, she loves me. Now. No, no, I'm sorry, sorry. Mr. Buchanan. She does, no. Oh, no, no, she does, though. She does. And what's more, I love Daisy too. Woman in New York. Yeah. You're yeah. revolting. Yeah. Do you know why we left Chicago? I'm surprised they didn't treat you to the story of that little spree. Well, that's all over now, Daisy darling. That's all over. Just tell him the truth. Go on. How could I love him? Possible. In case he needs to take down the address. I never loved him? Never. No. Daisy? Even Daisy. alone, I can't say I never loved Tom. It wouldn't be true. Of course it wouldn't. Does it matter to you? Of course it matters. When she was born, Tom was God knows, God him. knows where. But God knows him. Yeah, I'm going to take better care of you. You're not taking care of Daisy anymore. She's leaving you. That's sex! I am both. No, no, no. No, she is not leaving me. Please, Tom, I can't stand it anymore! He won't annoy him. I think he realized that this little station is all. Daisy! Daisy! take care of things. They were careless people. Tom and Daisy. They smashed up things and people and then retreated back into their money. and.